Hello and welcome back to the IDC Tech Talk podcast. I'm your host, Miles Dawson, and today I'm very happy to welcome a new guest on the show, Giorgio Neblioni. Hi everyone. Hi Miles. And thanks for hosting me here today. Um, Giorgio, could you give our listeners a quick overview of your research coverage at IDC? My primary areas of coverage are focusing around infrastructure. That for us is anything that moves from data center hardware to infrastructure software to cloud infrastructure. I'm one of the co-leads of the cloud practice at the European level together with Carl Arendt and Douglas Hayward. And then thirdly, I'm a part of this initiative that we call Vision 2020, which really brings analysts from a number of different research areas together to look at more disruptive kind of longer term uh, trends. And one of these trends is, uh, as you can imagine, blockchain. Absolutely. So you wear about three different hats then? I wear three and uh, yeah, none of them is uh, is clean, right? <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So as you said, Giorgio, you got in touch because you wanted to talk about blockchain. Now, I've read little bits and pieces about it in the past, but you'll have to forgive me for asking such a basic question. What actually is blockchain? Mm. That's a good question, right? And actually, sometimes we also ask ourselves as analysts, you know, what's what the hell is blockchain really, right? So there's a lot of buzz in the media and there's been a lot of buzz from the vendor community as well over the past, uh, I would say 12 months, right? That's really when it started ramping. And let you see, uh, we have been looking at this more intensely over the past three, four months. And, and what we found is that there are different things uh, that can be associated with blockchain, but really the core concept for blockchain is that blockchain is really a, a software piece it's an algorithm that automates things for you so this is kind of the very high level description right and really what this algorithm does it um, it makes sure that consensus is distributed in an automated fashion across a network that appends blocks of information to the to the end of uh, what we could, you call the blockchain and that really automates either transaction or verification of state we call this kind of the concept of the three A's. So it's algorithm, appending, and automation. Right? So these are the three A's of blockchain. If you think about this, it's um, blockchain is really uh, it's really a piece of code. And what and what you you basically do is every time you start, let's assume we are you and I, Miles, we are part of this network of entities that are uh, that are part of an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Right. So you want to come to me, Giorgio, and you want to let's make the example of buying something, right? You want to buy a pair of hats in exchange for some currency, either virtual currency or real currency. Let's assume it's a virtual currency. Now, when you come to me and you initiate this transaction on, on the web, potentially, and this transaction is certified by blockchain, what really happens is that uh, an event is triggered at the software and the algorithm level, and your node kicks off um, processing work across the full network. This means that your node sends a piece of, um, of code to all the other peers of the network, including me, including other members of the network, and, and those are the nodes that process that piece of information, and they can then certify whether you might have the money to actually buy my hats or not. Mm-hmm. And if the majority of the peers in this network certify that through algorithm, then the transaction automatically gets uh, gets executed and gets completed, right? So the difference is compared to the traditional system is that there is no middleman, there is no central authority that decides and certifies whether you have the money 
to buy my hats. It is this knowledge, this trust is distributed across the full network. So that's kind of the concept. So sort of distributed peer in that kind of sense. That's right. So it's, it's yeah. basically the concept of a peer-to-peer network, but all the data is replicated across all of the nodes. So, there is, so this brings a couple of benefits as well. The first benefit is that if you're trying to hack that system, you have to hack simultaneously a long, a long list, a long number, a big number of nodes at all the same time, right? Which is sometimes difficult to, to do, right? Uh, and that's the first benefit. The second benefit is the automation piece that I was referring to initially. The fact that being this software, there's no person, there's no uh, human being involved in, in certifying what's going on. It's just automatically processed. Mm. Absolutely. So like on the ground level then, um, if I'm a business owner, the, the key benefits I'm going to get from blockchain, you say that's the kind of, um, it's the increased security then. And it's also the, it's presumably speed as well. It's quicker. That's right, that's yeah. right. So there is speed, there is automation, there is security, but also the other benefit is that it enables new business models potentially to, to come to life. Mm. An example we've seen recently is uh, in the utility sector, and something that our, our colleagues, uh, our colleague Jean-Francois Segalotto from the Energy Insight team actually discovered, so just mm. wanted to, uh, to acknowledge that. And basically, this is a, this is a company um, called Aliander. They are a utility provider, so they provide electricity, um, broadly speaking. Right? So what uh, blockchain does for them is that if they embed this code across all of the entities in the network, in the grid, they can then automate transactions, which means that if you have an electric vehicle, which you know is very, very fashionable these days, mm-hmm. and in, in the Netherlands where this company is based, it's very common as well, because it's subsidized, the electric vehicle connects to the grid and then it, it sucks up energy from the grid. Now, at this moment, there is no proper mechanism to make someone pay for that electricity. It's very difficult to process. Where blockchain, if you actually f- embed this code in the source of the electricity as well as in the car and in the owner of the car, you can actually automatically bill the person for the electricity that person is using. Right. Ah, I see. Right. So, because um, uh, as you say, imagine if you're just plugging it directly into the grid, there's no way of easily tracking that. But uh, you're saying this is a way of uh, monet- essentially monetizing some of the new digital sort of disruptive technology that's coming down the pipe. That's very, very exactly that. Presumably, then, if these are new disruptive technologies, there must be some pretty big challenges in adopting this. I mean, what would they be? Yeah, well, there are, there are lots of challenges, and some of them are related to the fact that um, with, as, with every new technology, you know, there is a growing pain, right? As, you, as the technology gets, um, gets mature and gets distributed. So that's the first set of challenges, and we can talk a little bit about them. Then there is another set of challenges that's specifically related to, um, to blockchain as a, as a technology itself, right? So if we start with the first set um, around, uh, you know, maturity primarily, there are typically whenever new technologies are brought to market, uh, there are challenges around skill sets. So that's the, the primary one that we see, particularly for Europe, is but not just for Europe. It is a global uh, shortage at the moment because there are only uh, there is only a very small set of uh, coders that are able to deal with uh, with blockchain, mm. and there's also a small set of even consultants and business uh, and business people that understand the concept and they can actually implement the concept, uh, changing the business model. Right. So the first challenge will be to actually expand the skill set to make sure that that, that gets uh, get distributed and, and things get uh, kind of uh, filtered through in, in a large in a majority of, of the companies that can make use of it. So that's the first challenge. 
The second challenge is around uh, the ecosystem, the supplier ecosystem. So we see now a lot of the major players, including companies like IBM, which is kind of at the forefront at the moment. Microsoft is moving. Uh, Oracle is also moving in the direction. Uh, some of the cloud service providers are trying to make a move there. But really, the, uh, the ecosystem is just surging now, right? So we don't, have, um, we don't have an established ecosystem quite yet. There is, the beauty of it is that there is tons of startups, even in Europe, that are kind of popping up uh, in different vertical uh, segments as well. So, um, so an example would be uh, guard time, for example, looking at the security angle of blockchain usage, so for private ledgers, um, but there are more, right? There are, there are way more of that. Uh, but the ecosystem is, is, is not really crystallized yet. The, the final point on the ecosystem is that you have things around uh, the alliances and the foundations. So a lot of these blockchain efforts are now driving towards platform, right? So we will expect kind of a war of platforms at some point in the future where, where you already see things like Hyperledger. So that's kind of an open source approach uh, driven by the Linux Foundation primarily. You have Ethereum, which is backed by Microsoft and other uh, partakers. You have some, uh, some uh, platforms that are specific to the financial sector as well. And, the, the, and those platforms take time, and particularly if they are joint efforts, they take time to become mature, and, and, and the software just takes time to crystallize. Mm -hmm. right? So that's that's a second major challenge. And that's across the board. It's always been the case, even with things like OpenStack, if you think about it. Right? Now, if you look at specifically what's blockchain, uh, affecting blockchain as a technology, one of the key aspects is um, is really around the fact that in many verticals, to be successful, let's take the example we made before with uh, with the Dutch guys, you know, the cool mm -hmm. Dutch guys using yeah. electric vehicles, right? In order to for that to be successful, you need to make sure to convince a large amount of players in the in that industry to partake to the same platform, to the same standards and really to implement the same technology. Because if you can imagine, if your electric vehicle follows one blockchain platform and the grid has a different blockchain platform algorithm, that's not gonna, that's not gonna work out, mm. right? So, uh, so that's more of a challenge for some verticals, right? Particularly verticals that are not strictly regulated, where the authority cannot force one platform, they might take longer because you need to convince more people to join the same type of uh, type of ecosystem. Right? This is a specific one to blockchain. Another specific one, more in the technology space, in the infrastructure space, which we think is going to be majorly impacted by blockchain, is around integration with existing data uh, and existing data tools. Right. Mm -hmm. So already the early adopters are seeing that, uh, you know, if you, let's assume you have secured, that's an example from Estonia, right? They've secured the e-health data for 1 million patients in Estonia with blockchain. But as they did that, they had to integrate with the traditional SQL database environments as well. And to do that, you know, you do require a lot of scripting, a lot of coding and a lot of, you know, tweaking with things still. So that, that's going to be a major challenge mm. ahead, I think. Absolutely. It's, it's the, the legacy systems colliding with the transformational and disruptive systems, isn't it? So it's one of the things we see so often at IDC, and it's one of the biggest challenges. Um, so based on that, then, how's the adoption going? I think at the moment, uh, it's more anecdotal, right? So we had, for example, a CIO um, summit in uh, Munich, in Germany, where we invited eight CIOs uh, from the region, and we actually discussed blockchain as a topic. And out of those eight, two were kind of doing some proof of concepts, 
uh, and the majority of the rest was still in kind of the educational phase. Mm-hmm. So they were trying to get, get awareness of the topic. They were trying to think about the use cases, but it was really early for them uh, in terms of implementing anything, right? So that kind of gives you a rough idea of, you know, implementation is starting now. Some early adopters, even lighthouse cases, you know, the Estonian government, Bosch is an example that we see using blockchain to secure um, supply chain, mm-hmm. to com- make supply chain compliant. So you see a bunch of cases and uh, and the financial sector creates tons of proof of concepts. But adoption is, uh, is going to take some time. We think next year will be a strong year of, of adoption. We think this year will you still see the early adopters increasing in the, in the knowledge and starting to actually gain advantage versus the companies that don't that don't adopt the technology. So what would your parting thoughts be and pieces of parting advice for the listeners? I think there are a couple of advice points, right? So if you are an end user organization, if you are an IT buyer, um, be it large company, but also potentially a mid-market enterprise, we recommend to start consuming information around blockchain and get a base knowledge of what this technology can do for you. And think about the use cases, right? We see at the moment a lot of companies testing and kind of trying throwing this and, and seeing what sticks uh, really. And that's fine, right? So you, you are encouraged to do that, but also make sure that after a while those proof of concepts get rolled either into production, you know, or get killed potentially, right? Mm. Brutally, brutally honest here, right? <laughs> that's for the, the IT buyers. For vendors, we think it's really paramount that you devise a strategy depending on the segment you serve uh, from an IT perspective. An example, so if you're an infrastructure provider, a provider of cloud infrastructure, for example, you need to make sure that you have blockchain services in your portfolio or that some partner builds those services on your platform because your customers, some of these early adopters, some of these lighthouse guys, they will ask you to do that. And if you don't have it, they will move to a different platform. Right. So that, that's that's the first recommendation. The second recommendation is make sure you grab as much skill set as possible now, because based on past experiences, the companies that did grab skill set initially, they were the ones that then succeeded as providers. The ones that were following had to buy very expensive stuff down the line. They had to do catch up and they ended up losing the wars long term. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Giorgio, and thank you all so much for listening. Please join us next time when we will be discussing another topic affecting the IT industry. In the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about this topic and more, feel free to follow us on Twitter at IDC underscore Amir. You can also follow Giorgio as well. Giorgio, do you on Twitter? Of course I do. I'm a keen Twitterati, as they say, right? So, at Ginebuloni, and that's, that's it. That's easy. Easy. And you can also find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Just search for us under IDC. Thank you all very much, and see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.